Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I respect the right to an individual's privacy. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And you're with us once again on the cozy red couch. It's a big heart-shaped, lip-shaped couch, isn't it, Jane? (laughs) I'd like to imagine. (laughs) Talking about love and sex and relationships and emotions and spirituality and all the ways in life that you can clear your blocks and double your happiness. And today, Jane and I wanted to talk about um, a bit of a different angle. It's to do with the difference between what is a secret and what is something that's just private and all of the you know, the um, the grey areas around needing to respect other people's private business, where we cross the line with gossip, what is okay for us to know and what's not okay for us to know. It's interesting with all the whistleblowing that went on with Enron and, you know, Julian Assange and all that kind of stuff as well. Like, you know, what sort of information should be public? What sort of information needs to be exploded and exploited and understood? And what should never be touched? Because it's just not for you. Right? It's a big topic. It's interesting. Um, I have had a couple of clients recently who I'm supporting via webinars. So people email me questions and then if they're free, they get online. If they're not, I answer them in the webinar. So it's a public arena where their story will be shared publicly. And then I give my take on where to move through from there and they receive the recording. Now, two people had a very similar Scenario. Now, they actually know their scenarios were completely different. Both of them, one person had something that is an important story from their past, which many people would find incredibly fascinating. And this person had been outed, so to speak, where somebody else had chosen to share this secret in public, causing all sorts of dynamics. The second scenario was where somebody shared with me that they were self-harming or they had been self-harming in the past, beg your pardon, they're not currently, which is great news. And so when I shared these stories, I said, look, I'm not going to give names here because this is private. And I wanted to go about what is the difference between a secret and private as a result of this. Now, a secret in my opinion, implies shame. Private is something that the story will be shared if it's appropriate when the right has been earned. But it's not for others to be sharing in a shameful way. Public consumption. Yeah, exactly. It's it's gossip. It really is gossip. So Secrets being shared is always the, with the intent of gossip. It's always negative. Mm. Whereas sharing something private is to educate. Does that make sense? Yes. This, this is fascinating. So I'm going to go back to the first thing. Let's look at the, the concept of secrets. Now, and it's interesting how you use the word shame, and I reckon there's a few other emotions that tend to glob up and stick to 
secrets and look at things people have family secrets and I'm even thinking of things that get hushed up like things that happened at orphanages years ago or at schools with, but again it's you know, shame embarrassment yes. you know, it's negative fear it's it's yep. what will other people think think what will they feel what and will they believe it's control and it's power it's people in suits trying to you know either make the church look good let's not talk about the sex abuse or let's cover up the embezzling that's been going on in this business or you know it's those sorts of secrets which are dirty secrets which are the sort where and, and can I just say on that note if anyone's struggling with anything like that and feeling the unfairness and the unjustness of it the truth will always out that's the one thing about truth and I reckon that's the universal law the universal law of truth that, that it just these things cannot be sustained forever sometimes they are hidden for a really long time but you do find they always come out sometimes there's these amazing stories that come in the news like you know, a girl who's been working, who was um, stolen from Africa in the 90s and has been working as a slave for a family in London, just ran away and it's in the paper that she's finally free and it's taken her 20 years. You know, sometimes for these things, the day will come when things that have been in lockdown are released. It does happen. Um, I have a client that actually was uh, brought up in a cult and he ran away. Right. And he came to me because he said, I don't know how to socialise. Yeah. And so he wanted help socialising. Yeah. And uh, amazing man, like the strength of people that, you know, it's, it's quite incredible what individuals can achieve. Yeah. But, you know, again, well, let's look at that scenario. Yeah. And is that my story to share? Well, it's to, sh- I, I guess it's. So what, oh, what I was going to say is that the, the problem is if there's dirty secrets being held tightly by those in fear, they can be quite dangerous people to know or be around because they will do anything to protect their secret. You know, again, if they're embezzling money or they're they're just up to something, they're up to something. And if you are in some way connected or related to that, it's not a very comfortable position for you to be in, particularly if you're ethical, you're spiritual, you're conscious, it totally grates against your value system. What do you do? Have you ever been in that position, Jane, yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think I've shared on a podcast before. I was a mole. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I went into, I've done it a couple of times. I know I'll probably never ever, if I ever actually need to not be self-employed, I don't (laughs) think anybody would ever actually employ me. Um, No, I've done it with two big corporations. You've got to explain. What do you mean? But you haven't got any ASIO or private eye police detective background. No, no. When I say mole, it was as in, perhaps I've used the wrong word, uh, whistleblower. Okay. But I did it undercover. Nobody ever knew it was me. And what 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 did you feel the need without obviously giving the secret away unless you can? No, I'm quite happy to. You, you know, now I you think can... it's long enough. The first one was about 25 years ago and the second one would have been about 20 years ago. So the first one was um, involved, trying to do a, a short version, so working for um, Department of Tourism and the Adelaide Convention Centre, which was the first purpose-built convention centre in Australia. So it was a really new industry. We didn't know what conferences were. Uh, it was quite cool, actually, really cool time. But there was really bad sexual discrimination going on, really, really bad. And um, one of the female uh, employees there actually went to the union and said, "This is uh, the equality is not happening. And it so wasn't. And there were only two females in that department. I was one and she was another. And so I met with their investigators at my home, outside of work, gave them everything that they needed, and it all went through court and um, everything was 
you, reverse. Were you scared at any point in that process? Yes, absolutely, yes. But I couldn't sit there and not be like I'm a good guy to have on your team. Like I, I push through my fear and do it because I really do follow what I think is the right thing. Having said that, there's always that, you know, well, who am I to say what's right and wrong? And I do question that. But this was 1980s and anybody that's worked in the corporate world in the 1980s knows that it was a, a man's world. And um, the thing that really disappointed me the m- most was that this girl who I supported so well was unintelligent enough to send me on the day of the court case final um, ruling a bunch of flowers to work, which I then had to explain to all of the executives what the flowers were, and I'm quickly bumbling through a story, you know, like as if to no. say what girl power we won. Yeah, or she said their... thank you for your support. Yeah, it was on the card. Okay, thank you for all your support. We won. Great, thanks. <laughs> Great, <laughs> terrific. Good one. <laughs> that was the first one. The second one was. Um, which was wonderful was that I actually ended up writing the first enterprise agreement for the entertainment industry in South Australia. So that was where there was um, a lot of abuse going on with entertainers being paid 20 bucks in a bar tab. And so I, as an employer of entertainers, actually brought the union in to take on Murdoch and Packer. Mm. Um, oh, gee, I've just mentioned that on a big podcast, haven't I? <laughs> oh, my long, God. It was a long time Did ago. Did stop and edit? Okay, anyway, well, it did get very, very heated because the union was also Media Entertainment and Arts Alliance also ran the journalists, so they were threatening to call all the journalists off the job if they didn't agree to a a better pay condition for entertainers. But we had an award rate here which was ridiculous for, um, for the kind of contracts that I was getting. There needed to be something in the middle. Like I could see that the law was... Nuts, it was too high, but the underhanded abuse was too low. So I wanted to find some common ground. And that enterprise agreement is still in action now and it's it's playing out in all the different sports arenas and mm. everywhere and it's been emulated in other states and it's, it was a really cool thing to do. But I actually risked my whole entire business on that. It could have, if it had got out to my client um, or any of my clients, um, I, I could have lost everything in so that So you moment. were holding a big secret for a long time. Yeah. As that was playing out. Yeah. Did it wear you down? Did yes. it take its toll yeah. on you? Yes, it did. Both times it did, yes. I yeah. became incredibly anxious, really anxious. Yeah. You know, projecting to the future, the unknown, playing the what-if game. What if it gets out? What if, you know, I'll lose my job? I'll. Um, that was the first one when I was employed. Then the next one was when I had two businesses that were very much integrated, was that these will be shut down overnight. Um, but I also am intuitive enough to go to the right people to make sure I've got the right people backing me. Yeah. To make sure that everything is being articulated accurately and correctly. And, mm. and if you're in, if you, if you found yourself linked in with people who are doing something that doesn't vibe with you, there does come a line that you have to walk where you don't as much as possible get into the drama and you do keep yourself separate from it. I mean, it's, it, Jane's story is a bit different because she you had to go in and create the drama, not create the drama, but you... I didn't you, know. There wasn't drama. It was factual. Yeah, you were it having was to very fight. emotionally neutral. Mm. Um, it was very emotionally neutral. It was these are the facts. 
this is where we think this is wrong. This is the solution. Now, how do we get from there to there? Right. I, and I guess I'm thinking about what happens if someone stumbles into some information that they wish they'd never heard, seen or read, you know, pertaining to someone maybe very close to them in their family, someone they work with. And what, well, here's a classic example of that. I have this play out in my life all the time with clients. Oh, well, actually, I have in private as well a few times, but would you tell your best friend if her husband was having an affair? Right. This you know, this is, this, this is the thing. Kind of this is a secret. There's shame around it. There's fallout. There's fallout from it um, versus um, you getting comfortable with something and going, well, really, you know what? It actually isn't my business. Um, it will play out. It will, it, it's a real shade of grey. Mm-hmm. But that is a classic one. You know, would you do it? So how have I overcome that is that I've had the conversation with every one of my closest both girl and boy friends, male friends. So I know where I stand. Like if I am ever privy to information like this, do you want to know? Because you run the risk of the messenger being shot. Right. Um, and so I know where I stand. And some have said, don't care, don't want to know. Others have said, yep, want to, most say they want to know. But here's where if you want to deliver information that you feel ethically, morally, it is your duty to do it. What's not your duty is to be responsible for how other people handle that information. So what people tend to do when they go in to share a secret is that they've also got an ex- expectation of what that person's going to do as a result of that. Yeah. Now, many marriages survive affairs. In fact, many of them will go on to have the strongest relationships possible. So I don't see it as a deal breaker, but I see it as, you know, like, guys, there's something going on. You've got to do some work here. Yeah. Um, if they've chosen to want to know that. Now, I personally have made the decision that if at any point I find that my husband has had an affair or has the desire or whatever, it's a red flag to our relationship that I've got to own my part of it of what's not working, get into some decent counselling and get things happening. So this is the thing about when secrets do come out. Everyone has a massive freak out about it, as in the people who've been holding on to it for so long. But actually, it can be the most air-clearing, cathartic, next-level regeneration and revolution because it's taking you to a new place. Of, like this is what Jane's saying about why some marriages go amazingly afterwards because finally, every dirty skeleton that comes out of the closet, it's never been aired. People talk truthfully and honestly and vulnerably for the first time often in their lives or their That's marriages right. about the real problems and secrets that they haven't been sharing. And once it's all yeah, out... because an affair is only a symptom it's not the cause it's not the symptom it's not the effect it's the problems you already know that you have with that person exactly you know when you want to fight about who's got more leisure time within a relationship that's a symptom Mm -hmm. that's not the cause exactly so yeah i think it can be a great uh, release what, what we need to do if we do deliver to somebody a secret of whatever example you want to think of is that you detach from the outcome of that you be supportive, but you don't project what you would do in that scenario. Yeah. You need to leave people to be free to do what they choose to do. But this kind of comes into the whole getting into other people's business as well because why? Why does anyone need to? I understand you want to be a caring friend or it's because you're worried about someone and, and you think that sharing the information may help. Maybe sometimes it does. Maybe sometimes, like I said before, the truth will out. So if it's not you, it may be someone or something else anyway that will get that person to that knowledge. It's... I think that lying low and knowing what's drama, the difference between what's just drama 
um, and enjoying a bit of a thrill of the gossip or the or the yes, well, that's why you've got to check your internal dialogue, yes. your internal system is different. To go, what is your intent? That's what the difference is. So, and in these two scenarios I was giving before about where these one person had been outed, it's almost like you know when you hear somebody say, "I think you need to tell your mother you're gay, otherwise I'm going to." Yeah. You know, none of your business. Blackmail. None of your business. And in fact, I was watching a, a show recently. Can't remember what's it called? Oh, it's a Wonderland. I love it. It's a little soapy show in Australia that I love. And the episode a few weeks ago was literally on that was that the son had caught the mother in bed with another man and he was going to tell dad. And, you know, it was all, if you don't tell him, I'm telling him. So you better get in and do it first. Right, you know, it's, right. oh, shades gray. That mm. you need to look at your intent. What's your intent? And, and many times the sharing of secrets is actually the sharing of gossip because you're wanting to create drama. Yeah. Yeah. And that's completely inappropriate. And we all know that there are people out there who make it their, their business and their lives to go around feeling better about themselves by projecting all kinds of crap onto other people all day long. And they will either create it when it doesn't exist or they'll find Chinese whispers of it and use that or they'll use real information, but any of the three they will use to leverage. And the an extension of this, Jane, I think is even computer hacking and digital spying and cyberbullying and all those kinds of things oh, as well. Yes. Um, because, you know, privacy, none of your business. Why why does anyone need to to get in and air people's dirty laundry and well we know why we know exactly we why know exactly do, why yeah, why they yeah, do we've talked about this on other podcasts and so the question is how do you handle it if you have been the recipient of a secret outing so something that's private to you has been told or aired either to lots of people or even just to one person without your permission well what? this is where you come the the, the thing private comes in the word private and so there's a few different ways you can handle it but one of them would be if you're strong enough and bold enough, would be to confront the ringleader of whoever is spreading the story and actually say to them, there is a difference between secrets and privacy. This actually isn't a secret. I have plenty of people in my life who I have shared this with, but it is private, and I had chosen to not share that with you. However, you have chosen to share it with other people. I ask you to respect my inherent human right to privacy. It is a right. So you can go in there. Powerful. It's a very powerful statement, isn't it? It is. It yeah. is. Well, in this scenario, so my friend actually went back and said to somebody, you know, you have, you've shared something that's private. And she said, I didn't know it was a secret. And my beautiful friend said, it's not a secret. It's private. It's mm. not your job to be sharing. Mm. It's not your privilege. It's not your right. And then I had another friend, another, another friend, a client who said, I get it. I get the difference between secrecy and privacy. And she interpreted this to be, that means that people earn my respect before I share my private stories. Yeah. I thought, beautiful. We've talked about that blind going up before. How open is your blind? You let it go up gradually and people earn mm. the right to deeper depths of who you are. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, what do you do if you're somebody who, and I think a lot of our Love Life listeners would fall into this category, you're the keeper of secrets. <laughs> Everybody comes to you because you're good to talk to, you're yeah. easy to talk to, you're kind, you're empathetic, you're compassionate, and your head and body is filled with other people's secrets. You know, also, as is mine. If you're a practitioner, 
or a counsellor or a coach. It's actually your job to hold the confidentiality of your clients all day long. And you will see people and you'll see the husband and then you'll see the wife and you'll hear two different stories and you'll see people that know people. And people fascinating, that, isn't I mean, it? Yes. I, I had a woman the other week who was telling, relating a story and um, when she gave me the name of the woman, I knew the woman she was talking about. And wow, like that can happen in small towns. Yes. So it's obviously if anyone is a, is, is a practitioner of any description, then you know that it's yeah, part that's, of the, it's a given. Privacy is just, yeah, it's part of your role. Um, it, yeah, it can be interesting when it gets personal, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. I find, though, for me, and I've been the, the keeper of private, private stories since I was a little girl. So it's just nice that I get paid for it now. You know, <laughs> it's lovely. But what I find beautiful is that when people share their stories with me, to me, I internalize it as the highest, most beautiful way they can actually honor me. Mm. It is such a privilege to be able to share, to be able to contain somebody's private or take, listen, receive, hear somebody's private story. Yeah. They've just honored me with the, the most highest way they could. Yeah. And so I feel really privileged. And I think that makes it really easy to not feel like you have to burst out with anything. It's it's also a really good measure of your own, not just intuition, but it's almost like that moral compass or radar that's in your gut and in your conscience. Because I know myself, if I've ever been with someone who's a friend but not that good a friend and I start telling them something and I get that feeling in my body that goes, Rebecca, don't say that or you don't need to go into that story or talk about that or whatever. And your body actually will tell you. Your body will actually help you to define the boundaries as to what's it okay does, to share it? and what's not okay to share. Yes. So I think listening to yourself as well is, is a great indicator of what's appropriate and what's not. Your body knows. You know when you go out and maybe you've had a few wines and you've let yourself get a bit loose and then you say something and you know instantly it's in your gut. It's like, why did I say that? Mm. Now, most people will run away. Just turn it around. Use your words. Mm. Turn it around. Apologize. Explain. Fix. Fix the damage. Whatever you got to do. Or it's that where you wake up the next morning and replay a conversation that occurred and think, oh, no, 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 no. But I read a great quote the other day that said, you know, it's not about making mistakes in life because we're human. Everyone is always going to keep, even as adults, we're always going to keep making mistakes. It's about how you handle those mistakes. That's what really puts the mark of, of a good, amazing person. You know, it, it leaves that impression in people's minds is, is what you do about it. Um, and the other thing I was going to say, just sort of while we're talking about gossip and letting the mouth run loose and all that kind of thing, you know, it can. If you're a person who has trouble with with gossiping, um, I mean, first of all, you can go and look at all your own stuff. <laughs> but in a in a shorter, quick fix, I think we actually did a podcast. I think it was about toxic people that we talked a lot about that too. We may have, and it's a really early one, so I think it's probably in the first. 10 or 15 episodes if you want to go back and have a listen there. In a shorter, quick fix social version, next time you're out with a bunch of girlfriends or a room full of people or whatever um, and, you know, you find the, t- the temptation on the tip of your tongue to start telling a story about someone that everybody knows or the, the latest juicy thing that's happened that week, just imagine that, that that person is there, that that person is standing next to you or that they're in the room and it just is incredible how how quickly you will modify. It might not even be a conversation. It could be an email you're writing or a message. Just imagine if that person could read what I'm sending now, if I accidentally clicked the different name and, you know, there'll be people out there gasping going, oh, my God, I've actually done this. Oh, so have I. I've sent that email to that person, mm-hmm. which is one of the worst feelings you could ever feel on earth 
earth, isn't it? Mm -hmm. But it's a real caught out feeling and it's a real lesson. It's like having your fingers slammed in the door. It's like going, ouch, I hurt myself then. And that pulled me back up by the bootstraps. (laughs) It also, though, is a clear indication that you need to have a more honest conversation with the person. Cool point, Jane. You know, because I did that. I sent a really one of the worst emails I could ever have sent. Did you? Thought I was talking to my business partner. Nope. <laughs> I was talking to a client. Um, but what was it was that I actually had been avoiding that the triggers were there and I'd been avoiding a situation that I needed to have a very honest conversation with. Yeah. And so the universe made it happen. And actually the conversation was really good. It was really good. Yeah. Like the guy or girl that has the affair and the marriage gets back on track, you have the conversations that you actually really need to be having. Yes. But you know, that there is also this thing about when you do want to be a whistleblower, whether you want to share a secret, whether you want to shame someone, whatever it is, that think about your bridges that you burn. So, you know, here we are 25 years, 30 years later for one incident with me, 25 years later with another or whatever it was, 25 and 20 years, I think. Um, And yet there's still that little bit of fear of burning of bridges because it isn't a cool thing to do because you don't know when people are going to reappear in your life. Mm. But at the same time, I have to stop and think that my intent back then all those years ago still stands today. You know, if I had my time again, I would still want to fight for those two particular issues and so I have to hope that if a bridge was burned or somebody reappears in my life that was on the back then opposing side that I'm able to still hold what my intent was but with a lot more maturity and and be able to have the conversation that needed to happen face to face back then yeah and didn't it happened in a more underhanded way yes so you know we, we handle things based on where our strengths at so now if I wanted to handle either of those two situations, I'd go face-to-face. Mm. But, you know, the 25-year-old me and the 20, 29-year-old me didn't have that strength back then That's to, right. to do it. I think something else as well, when, when there's a lot of he said, she said going around, if you are friends with the kind of people that do like to gossip, if you found yourself as the victim of hearing stories about yourself being circled back around, it can be quite confronting and it can be very upsetting because you feel very out of control and you're very, very worried about your identity and your image and all of those sorts of things. But I think at the end of the day, when you come into your real spirituality around it and just that real anchoring into the truth of who you are, all you can ever really do in life is trust in the person that you know yourself to be. You can just trust in yourself and you can really clearly draw a line in the sand about what's important in life and what's not. And the fact is, Rumours will come and rumours will go like waves crashing against rocks over thousands of years. Like it's just some things will withstand the test of time and those sorts of things are good character and morals and value and integrity and those sorts of characteristics. And I know you will know this, but it can be very reassuring to hear it again. And, of course, the people that matter are never going to judge you and they're always going to believe you because they know you. The people that don't matter are the ones creating the shit. And the less you react to it, the less they've got anything to fight with anyway, and they'll soon move on to the next target. So, and just remember too that that there's usually only one, there's usually one ringleader that is speaking ill of you, shit staring, absolutely. And yet, you might feel like there's this whole tribe that they've gathered their tribe together to really go you or isolate you, which is their their you know ultimate goal. Mm. The reality is that most people actually lack the courage to. That most people are fence sitters. And, you know, look, if I could wave a wand, it would be for everybody to be able to be stronger. However, I totally get fence sitters. 
that what that means is that the Fed sitter actually is usually a beautiful person and they will still have the ability to form their own opinion. What they don't have the courage to do is to stand up to the bully and say, actually, I don't agree what you're saying about him or her. So don't interpret the fact that there appears to be a tribe as there is a tribe. The reality is there's usually one isolated king-queen energy or in the shadow side that's being a bully and her disciples or his disciples, but they're not disciples. They're just people that are scared to get on that person's bad side because they don't want to be receiving what you're receiving. Mm. But they'll quietly be coming up to you going, you know, I just want you to know I don't agree with that. I really and take yeah. that and, and, and really feel that they don't agree and they're being as strong as they can be in this situation. I really like the way you've reframed that, Jane, and it's just a reminder, isn't it, that nobody's ever actually really thinking about us as much as we think they are. Like no, we, right. we wander around all day long worried about what everyone's thinking. Nobody, they're worried about their stuff. Nobody's thinking about you all that much because at the end of the day you don't impact their life. And and you know what? They don't impact yours either unless you allow them to. You know, this is completely about vibration and boundary and control and and all of those sorts of really owning your own self-worth and who you are. And if you have a really strong, healthy, positive sense of that and you know how to behaviorally, verbally and emotionally take the higher road in life, you're actually going to always be quite clean. Because people can't touch that kind of vibration. They just don't know what to do with it. They, they will bounce off it. They will get bored with it. They will try and play with it. They can't rattle the, the cage. They'll, they'll, they'll fall away. And it's, it's really the only thing you can do. But it works. That's the thing. It's so powerful. It's so, so powerful. It's hard that you might be doing the anxious dance inside. Your body might be, you know, dancing all around the place in anxiety. But when you hold yourself and you don't speak, you don't retaliate, you don't engage in any way. They move on. I respect the right to an individual's privacy. Thank you so much for listening to us today. You can find us on Facebook, Jane. Yeah, which is facebook.com forward slash, slash love life show. You can find us on lovelifeshow.com where you can sign up for our newsletter. You can hear about our upcoming speaking events and all other goodies and events and coaching and counseling that we have on offer. And until this time next week, maybe just think, twice before you open your mouth and let out those little bits of information that feel so juicy at the time but maybe aren't so great two minutes later life is perfect i'm not trying it's just happening and it's a beautiful day